0: Welcome to episode seventy nine of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast, and uh, I'm joined once again by Darren Hill after another extended hiatus. I've been on holidays, Daz. Uh, I think I'm not sure if you had a little break or you were just busy at work. But let's start. Let's let's answer the big question first. Daz, do you still have a nanny employed uh, at your household after what it was uh, revealed on our last podcast?
1: Do I have a nanny still revealed? No.
0: Um, I mean, you don't have to go too personal, but it's been a big topic online, talking about the mosaic that disappeared out of the fridge.
1: (laughs) Oh, he's back. Yeah. Sorry, I was just playing like a virgin here. It's been so long, Daz. Um, I forgot what this was like. The mosaic had gone missing. It was a conversation that was never had. Um, He was summarily dismissed. But,, um, we've had to bring him back into the fold for for other reasons. So we're gonna have that awkward first meeting again uh, tomorrow morning, and we'll see. Um, we'll see <laughs> if he's gonna if he's gonna confess or if we're just gonna let that one sort of let me have one hanging over his head as. So we will see.
0: Well, now, does when we last spoke, apart from the the great Mosaic Mystery, uh, we had we were just about to start the conference finals, and it was Toronto, Milwaukee, and uh, Golden State, Portland. And uh, obviously, history now tells us that Milwaukee jumped out to a two 0 lead. Who did, Go-
1: who did Golden State play? Portland. Does anyone remember? <laughs> oh, okay. I'll get or to Lando? that series. Oh, I watched same, same
0: I watched nearly the entirety of that series. so I'll get to that yeah, in a moment, goof. but um, all yeah, right. Milwaukee jump out to the 2-0 lead. We know the rest is history. They lose four straight. Reminded me very much of San Antonio OKC 2012 where the exact same thing happened. Have you recovered yet? What, what's your feeling? I mean, have you, have you sort of put the context around the Buck season and, and, and the collapse um, at the moment or are you still sort of trying to get over it?
1: It's, um yeah, you you don't really get over these things, right? Diehards, especially for long-suffering fans like ours and. You don't really ever. I don't think I'll ever get over it. But um, like well, I the know, losses, the common just to stop of, you there, the yeah, losses yeah. stay
0: with you, even if you're a fan yeah, of a successful franchise. The yeah. losses stay with you more than the wins stay with yeah. you. Maybe that's just how we're built as humans. Uh,
1: I think, right? Of course, watching the outlier shooting, continuing to be outlier shooting, and then, of course, the you know we're going to have this argument about you know. Um, give them credit versus the historic unbelievable uh, which we'll talk about unbelievable injuries which everyone has already talked about. But um, yeah, so you look at the summation of how then how the finals played out and from a Buck's perspective, and the, I think the sixers fans would have similar feelings going, oh my god, we just missed the greatest opportunity, right. It was wide, wide open and Golden State were even more vulnerable then we thought. Now, granted, we can't know if those guys get injured. You can't know the counterfactual, right? Maybe they stay perfectly healthy if they play uh, Philadelphia or Milwaukee in the finals. But yeah, you, you feel the sense of what a, what could have been, what could have been. But so it was bitter in the moment. Um, I didn't watch um, any. I really didn't watch any of Golden State, Toronto. Obviously, I followed the storylines very closely. But you come that close, you just kind of. I just lost. I, I lost interest, and then. Right. What what grabbed me, of course, was the was the injury stories. And then, as you do, the Bucks have their exit interviews, and Giannis says wise words. And you know, I go, if he's okay, I'm okay. Sort of mentality. It's like no one can care as much as the the players themselves. So, but to be honest, that actually does help. You're right; the losses stay with you, but you know, Giannis has been pretty cool for this process. And life goes on, and and um, that's what I I guess I sort of he's my barometer for. You know how emotionally invested I get, so yeah, it's uh, it was very bitter in the in the moment, especially you know the way Game Three unfolded. But um, we are where we are, and I've gotten no. I can't blame someone, which is actually the saving grace. You can't you can't blame an you know, injury or blame a referee or anything like that. So just uh, you know, it just didn't.
0: I just think you're evolve, blaming yeah. the basketball gods. I think I know where you're at. A the bit of
1: karma. Yeah, You're just of, saying
0: we were right yeah. there and the ball yeah. didn't bounce our way. And I guess Philly bit, fans yeah. would, would quite Ooh. literally be saying that after For going sure. out to the, the four-bounce shot um, in Game 7. But at the end of the day, look, there are little moments here and there where the Bucks could have been better. The Sixers oh, could have been sure. better. Um, sure. you know, no doubt even the Warriors, although the Warriors are, are probably the hardest luck story such that they can be given they've won three of the yeah. last five titles. Um, yeah. where uh-huh. you say, Well that's you know, there's nothing you can do about injury luck, although we can get into the machinations of, of whether Kevin Durant should have played and things like that. But I I'll go why I wanted to talk quickly about the Portland Golden State series. I watched basically the entirety of that series. And Portland led, for the times when teams were ahead or behind, Portland led for 111 minutes. Golden State led for 83 minutes. If two players go differently, Portland have that series tied at 2-2 instead of it being a sweep. Now you say, well, it's Portland. We didn't expect them to win. And it didn't surprise me. They collapsed down the stretch. But the point I was making at the time to you was Milwaukee are better than Portland and Toronto are better than Portland. And Golden State had better improved their performance from that series to the next. And I think Golden State played pretty much the same level of basketball in the finals, albeit with the injuries attached. And Kevin Durant didn't, of course, play in the Western Conference finals. And I think uh, put, Toronto, obviously, were more healthy than Portland and were able to finish the games off whereas Portland collapsed down the stretch, um, basically three games in a row, games two, three, and four. Um, in what was... I mean, games two and four, if you ever did get a chance to watch them, really fun games in that uh, Western Conference Finals, albeit that there of inevitability that the Warriors were going to get there, but you you felt there was a different area of inevitability, inevitability yeah. about the finals that Toronto were going to get there, even though they blew game two, they blew game five. They really should have swept. And funny thing is... It, Golden State would have been better off had Toronto just swept them because Kevin Durant likely doesn't come back at all and Clay Thompson doesn't get hurt. So it was a just a conflation of a number of different things that happened against the Warriors um, yeah. that, that was absolutely yeah. crazy. And just quickly, so with the Kevin Durant injury, I mean, I I was watching <clears throat> game, uh, was that? That was game four. Oh, sorry, game five because I damn down three-one coming back for game five. And they said, oh, Kevin Durant just finished his shoot-around and he's got two two bags of ice on the, ca- the injured calf. And I just thought to myself, well, he's not playing. Like, if he's got to ice the calf up as soon as the shoot-around, it's done, he's not playing, it's over. And yeah. I missed the first uh, quarter and a bit. And then I turned it on and he, he must have not long gone off the court. And um, the Toronto callers were saying... Uh, Kevin Durant should never have played, and he's just had a massive injury and all yeah, that sort of dear. stuff. So um, it was just unbelievable in the moment. But a lot of blowback on Golden State. And I don't. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think it's entirely unfair either because I just. I get the sense. I don't know if you got the same sense that if it was Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, or Steph Curry, they would have treated it differently than more than what they did with Kevin Durant.
1: Well, let me go back, go back one step where, I, where you're talking about the Golden State Portland, and yes, I think you were absolutely saying they better step up their game, and I think if you go back even a step further, um, <clears throat> before Durant's injury, I was pretty confident saying, and I think we had debate about this, where I said, are the second and third best teams in the NBA, Milwaukee and Toronto, where well, I was pretty confident those teams, having watched the Bucks with um, Houston um, I say that maybe a bit exaggeratingly, but they handled Houston both times they played Houston, and uh, Toronto was getting into form. So, I guess from a pre-playoffs perspective, I was pretty confident that the Bucks, Toronto were were two three, and I don't know if that quite proved it out. End quote. But I think yeah, the way I think obviously Toronto won, and I think had the Bucks been in the exact same situation with the exact same goaltending injury, is probably a similar similar result. So. Yeah, I think that probably says more about Golden State than it says about Portland or Toronto or Milwaukee, for that matter. But um, that's for the next, I guess, conversation. Um, so um, the second point, I guess, right, was the you go right to the, the Kevin Durant situation and did that? Was he treated? Was he treated the same way? I, I, everyone's analyzed this from every perspective. Kevin wanted to play. He probably had tons of medical advice. He's had. Probably twenty four seven treatment on this on this calf the day it got hurt. Um, I don't for one minute think Bob Myers or Steve Kerr, you know, looked at the situation and said, you, you know, did they do something negligent or capricious in encouraging him to play? No, probably not, right? Um, but in an era of social media, right, where Kevin is off perhaps getting treatment and tweeting stuff. Or talking getting medical care, and you know, he probably has information that his teammates don't have at certain points in time. So I think how they can all communicate together and set expectations with the teammates is probably something that needs to be improved. Because what I did see, again, not watching the games, but watching very carefully the flow of the news, is that there are players talking about Kevin, you know, he looks great, looks ready to go. Right? When the a players get a glimpse of Kevin Durant on a practice court, watching him, no doubt, probably hit ten threes in a row, you know, bouncing off his good leg like it's nonchalant. And reporters are asking 24-7 questions about it. Yeah, he looked great today. So it's easy. It's very, very, very easy to build up the narrative and expectation that he's getting closer, he's getting closer, he's getting closer. So I absolutely place no blame on any one Person or party in that conversation, and I'd like to believe it'd be similar for the players involved. What's different, right, is the context, right? So I go, um, if it's three games to one, um, I think you'd get similar treatment for a Draymond versus a versus a Steph and a Clay. But if the series is tied two-two, Daz, I go, you know what? They probably wait three more days, right? If it's two-two, kind of go, let's give it our best shot. Let's let's make sure this calf is right, and we'll we'll see if we can win the last two, even if we miss game five. So I think I think the context is what was the camel that or the camel that broke well, the straws think back? Well, I the, straw the context. The, back. Yeah.
0: the context that matters to me is I think they knew he's not coming back here next year anyway. So and I think that's where the Clay Steph Draymond oh, situation man. is different, where he's going to be back don't next know. year. Well, I Well, look, and we'll never know. We'll never that know. Is a tr- See that's
1: a but, tricky one. So I, I this is a completely absurd. I think parallel. they treated
0: him differently right. because this is a free agent that's not coming back next year. And this is our last roll of the dice. And therefore if if, if he gets injured and he's gone for the season, it's not not any skin off it That's a fair anyway. argument.
1: That's a fair argument, but then I go, Kevin Durant's a grown man and he's a competitor and you know he ultimately can make a choice, right? Well he can can you know, a is, but it, is he an can't. easy I mean, choice. I know, I know, but I'm just I'm just saying it's well, not Clay like he's a Clay Thompson wanted
0: to play on when he hurt his knee. I didn't see him going, Well Correct Clay wants yeah. to the play, there you go.
1: I was like I when I blew my ACL, I um, I got fouled, I hit my free throws, I played a couple more uh, minutes, went to the bench, flexed it out, went back in the court and then just realized like, I couldn't jump, like it didn't hurt but I couldn't jump, like, okay, that feels weird, so the adrenaline flowing through you is massive.
0: Well, I can play um, a whole season without jumping, Des. I'll, I need to
1: show you. <laughs> Well played, sir. But uh, look, so I'm not going to – I hear you. I get it. Um, I, I know situations. Baseball is famous for that. Baseball, who, you know, they're rent players, um, mm. you know, before they hit free agency all the time. The Milwaukee Brewers famously got CeCe Sabathie in 2008 and just worked him to the bone. Mm. And he was miraculous. He was an absolute workhorse back then. And so um, they rode him almost to the World Series. So they, I, I lived through that situation where it's a true rental, where both parties know it's a rental, where the rental, the, 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 the player goes, you know what, the better I perform, the higher my price goes in the offseason. It seems like we don't have to worry about your blowing out your arms, so just pitch every third or fourth day. So I just don't think that was the biggest factor. Is it in the back of their minds? Yeah, maybe. But um, I just don't believe that if they thought there was severe injury risk that they would do this. I just don't believe it. Um, if this was the Phoenix Suns or, you know, the New York Knicks, I probably would have. I wouldn't give any benefit of the doubt, but it's it's the Warriors. And so I tend to see this being kind of on the up-and-up day. right or wrong. You know, well, I look, look at, at their, it this
0: way. Yeah. Here's a guy that his workout a few days before did not go well, from what reports I've read. He then has shoot around in the morning, he puts ice on the calf, and now, I mean, anyone that knows, I mean, I'm not a doctor, (laughs) to put it mildly, but if if you're icing up your calf after a shoot around, clearly it's not 100%, and if you're going to go out there with a muscle like that, in that area of your body that's not 100%, it would stand the reason that you are putting pressure on other areas of your body, um, and I think that you know you you could say it then becoming yeah. more likely that you have an injury like that. And of course, what's the one injury that we've seen the last few years with Boogie Cousins and Rudy Gay and some other and Kobe Bryant, like no, the Achilles? That's the one injury that no one wants to get, and that's the one that gets. Look, it's it may be one in a hundred. I don't I don't know the exact yeah chances, yeah. but I just I tend to think. And we'll leave it at this, but I tend to think it was one of the other three guys and they think we're coming back, we're taking zero risks. I mean, even to the point where the game before, uh, when Clay uh, had the hamstring, sorry, game three, and Steve Kerr said, well, we would never forgive ourselves if Clay come back and hurt himself again. And then two games later, Kevin Durant comes out, clearly not right. I mean, clearly they've made the wrong decision. Not that you can't deny that. Now you can look. You can only look, I guess, at the process of which you've you've come to that decision. And um, yeah, you know, I, I have my worries, I guess, or doubts as to whether they would treat all of those four players the same. Yeah. Given right. Kevin Durant's probably not coming back. And the other three are but look we'll, we'll never know the counterfactual to that to your point Let, let's talk a little bit about the, the raptors though as i know you're really impressed with the raptors and you want to talk about this title um where does where does this title rank i guess for you and also the Kawhi leonard performance because the Kawhi leonard performance everyone was sort of comparing it to jordan and things like this i mean i think that was a little bit overblown i mean i think Kawhi's, the numbers are very impressive, but I think this was a really, it was a team effort. There was just different guys that stepped up at different times. And Kawhi was just that solid, dependable, you know, 30 and 10 almost um, is what he averaged across across that run. So he, he was putting up great numbers, but he sort of did it in a bit of a quiet way, which is typical of Kawhi. There was a couple of games, obviously, where he was massive, including Game 7 against Philly, but it was a real team effort where just Siakam, Lowry, Danny Green, uh, you know, Norm Powell had some moments. Obviously, Van Vliet, Gasol, like other guys stepped up when they needed to. I mean, did you sort of see it the same way? This was a very much a team title anchored by Leonard rather than Leonard sort of leading them to the title and, and these other guys coming along for the role? Well,
1: the, um, I guess I look at it as the this is the alternative to um super team building this is the alternative to golden state this is the alternative to what the lakers are trying to do this is the alternative to what houston tried to do in going all in with with chris paul the alternative is you get um one superstar um and surround him with you know, the, with the right complementary talent and a deep, deep enough team, um, to deep enough team who gets the right lock in the bounces. So this is for me is the anti-Philly, anti-Golden State, anti well, anti Angeles Lakers this template. This is the Bucks so roadmap, isn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying exactly. They go, this is the this is the Bucks roadmap, which is the right create a system, culture, um, bench philosophy that gets you not only through the eighty-two, but then you know, has has a has this level of consistency, and this is one thing I will give them credit for, because I don't love to give credit for consistently unpredictable outlier shooting, which is really, let's be honest, right? When you look at the numbers, that micro micro samples of outlier shooting um, was ultimately that is, this. That is an insult, but it's also that's the reality, right? The beauty, and this is where I could say Toronto's argument as well. We have enough players who could, at any moment in time, hit you know, 77% of their three pointers in a in a game, and um, is the, uh, is this is great This is great roster building for a team that's not going to try to attract three times you know 40 million dollar or three max three max slots. So it's a uh, um, the consistency. I guess that's been my point, right? Is their floor was so high. Um, although we, did, we weren't saying that in Philadelphia's series, which I, I think we're all rewriting the narrative based on six games against a depleted Golden State team. But, right, they had one guy making all the plays and taking all the shots against Philly when we had our giant rant about everyone was a coward and, and in the corners and, and, and withdrawn, and Nick Nurse looks just like Dwayne Casey, and they have no answers, and where's Danny Green and Fat Van Vleet's not doing anything when they just couldn't create a shot it just Philadelphia just couldn't bloody make a player get over the hump, and then for for three of the of the six games against Milwaukee, it was a similar story, which is they got basically one guy in an occasional outlier shooting. But what I give them credit for, what I, and I, I'm actually going to get to a compliment here, is that they had 50 chances <laughs> to fold. They had 50 chances, right, to do a Boston Celtics or do a Houston Rockets or, um, as it turns out, to do a Milwaukee Bucks. They had plenty of chances to let off the gas a little bit and fold against Philly or fold against Milwaukee in particular. They had plenty of chances to not win and they just never, ever stopped. So there's something to be said for the 48 minutes of effort, the irresistible force, um, keeping coming and keeping coming. And that's what I do give them credit for: is the probably more the mental focus than anything about it, how Kawhi played or didn't play. Was the was the focus of from tip off to, right, concluding games where um, they were both starting games fast and finishing games well, whereas the Bucks, by contrast, would have, right, much bigger swings of, you know, sixteen, eighteen million, eighteen minutes of absolute. Remember you texting me like, oh my God, they can't be beaten, but then guess what? Shit goes wrong and Bledsoe shoots a bunch of shots and. You know, Bucks go or go from being up 15 to down seven. They go. Toronto didn't do that. They didn't have those wild swings. So give them credit for being being so consistent and so persistent, and letting other teams right beat themselves a bit, um, and and you well, know, more attrition. Right.
0: So that's yeah. where Kawhi becomes important because I remember when for sure. when I made that statement to you that the, the Bucks they can't be beaten. I think they went 18-4. Up in uh, the start of game five and it was obviously back to Milwaukee at that point back at two two. Game yeah. five, the pivotal game. They just came out and were just running Toronto off the court. And I was just like, like
1: games one and two. This yeah, is just yeah.
0: this is not even a contest. But give credit to Kawhi and this he is so unflappable. Like whether they're up ten or down ten, his expression doesn't change, his play doesn't change, and that's the personality that this team took on and they were just they were just not phased they would just go into a timeout come out and just keep running the same thing. and the Bucks went away it. from their play uh, and they stuck you. with it
1: I said it to you it must have been offline it must not have been on the pod because it didn't have happened yet but I go I watched in the Bucks Raptors I watched game 4 before I watched game 3 right um, and what that meant so game 3 was the double overtime crazy game Giannis gets fake fouled out right just crazy crap weird crazy NBA Bizarro NBA game right game three when the Bucks are up 2-0 and there's absolute Survival absolute they are Hemorrhaging bleeding death Toronto's about to go down again in embarrassing fashion. They are clinging on for dear life and and clawing and scratching for everything and um, So watching game three after game four I thought holy shit Toronto actually had their near-death experience they are the people who right flatliners they had died they'd seen the light they'd gone to whatever version of afterlife and they came back and played with a confidence they never had and even in the first um, even in the first two rounds they didn't i didn't see it until i saw game 4 how they played and i go where the hell did that come from it came from the near death experience in, in game 3 and that feeling of playing with house money from game 3 no doubt Daz. That's what propelled them. So you said they take on his personality. They sure as hell didn't take on that personality in round one, round two, or the first three games against the Bucks. They did not. They took on that personality after their near death experience. And success begat success and success stacked success. And you know, the Bucks missed enough bloody free throws and shot 29.7% from three-point land in the six games against Toronto, whilst Toronto shot nearly 40% for the series. Those are both outlier shooting performances. So I kind of go, yeah, you can't control um, the other team's three-point shooting percentages. And but success begat success. That's the confidence is real, and that's what I, I give them credit for. That is real. And what I think, what this series part last part about this, and then we should move on. Is I go what. What we as Bucks fans see that Kawhi has, which Giannis doesn't, right? So Giannis will win regular season MVP. Kawhi, right? He was Finals MVP, right? And
0: yep. he'd
1: probably be the postseason MVP if we gave the award. I think that that would be wouldn't even be a close vote, would it? No. Is that he can create his own shot, even if it's a two point shot from 18 feet? That's where Giannis's development will have to come from: is can he create his own shot when it's not a dunk? or a spectacular Euro, right? When it's fourth quarter of a game five and a game six, and they've got the wall, right? What are you going to do? What do you do? And that's where Giannis's development was. So I'm going to try to take a positive from this and go, that's the difference between a playoff superstar like Kawhi, who can create his own shot, or KD creates his own shot, Steph creates his own shot, LeBron creates his own shot. These are the NBA champions. Giannis doesn't create his own shot. James Harden? creates creates 21 <laughs> shots for himself right i was gonna say the creates, his own,
0: <laughs> shot. DeRozan still creates his own
1: shot yeah that's <laughs> right so that will be my my positive take i'm going to give him credit right i'm absolutely going to give him credit for that guy can get a shot and a quality shot whenever he wants that is a that is absolute mvp level like this is kind of where Put aging LeBron aside, this is where Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are the best two players in the NBA for being able to do that from at all three levels. Get into the paint, shoot a mid-ranger, shoot a turnaround, shoot a pull-up, shoot a three-pointer. That's where I'd say Kawhi and KD are the best players in the league um, at doing that for, especially in the playoffs. So I do tip my hat in that regard. He was absolutely better than Giannis was. Um, at winning bloody games, and it's hard to say, but that's that's where I go, that's where we have to get better. That's where you guys will be, yeah, that's his I,
0: blueprint. I think it's apt to do the analysis, really, of, of Milwaukee-Toronto, because as it's turned out, that was the finals, because Golden State were just, there was no stage yeah, that I left. felt, yeah. there was no stage I felt Toronto were even in slight danger. I mean, they threw away two games, and oh, one and know. six, yeah. and even though yeah. Game Six was close, it was just like if this goes to a Game Seven, they're not going to win anyway. Like it's just, yeah. I just never. F- and, and I mean, credit to Golden State that they fought right to the end and they well, showed I'm... great heart and spirit. But I, I never felt they were in that series, to be honest with you, in the finals.
1: Okay, so again, I didn't watch it live, but I went back to see it for myself.
0: Being well, I watched the games suff- in the suffer,
1: moment, but wait, wait. But, Daz, you are telling me that you watched Clay Thompson go 9 for 12 from the floor, 8 for 12 from the floor, 10 for 10 from the line. He is going nuclear like OKC Game 6 back in, what was that, 2015? Daz, you're telling me you, you saw Clay Thompson go nuclear for three quarters and you didn't think that they could win it?
0: Oh, they could, I thought they could win Game 6, but I didn't think they're not going to do it again in Game 7.
1: I still oh, would have liked okay.
0: Toronto in game seven. And even in game six, even as good as Clay was playing, they were only up by like five points. They just couldn't get a break on them. And then that's where if, if Kevin Durant's out there as well and Clay's going off, it's game over. You know, but yeah, s- of but course, Steph wasn't yeah. playing yeah. all that well in that game. And it's just like if Clay has a bit of a cold period or he gets injured or whatever, and obviously he got injured, um, that was game over from that point. Um, but if he doesn't get injured, like it, they do win Game 6, but I still would have liked Toronto in Game 7. Um, I just felt like the the games I saw, really, Game 6 Even watching probably,
1: Toronto gag Game 5 away? But that, Yeah, mean, but
0: even so, it was just like, you just felt they had it in hand still. It was just like, they yeah, should have wrapped it yeah. up there. They should have swept them. I mean, I they should have never lost Game, game
1: the 2. Of, no, I would have loved to have seen the pressure in Game 7 in Toronto. Well, don't game tell game me Draymond, Clay that. and stuff. Our swagger, even without KD, you tell me that the swagger between those three isn't like off the charts. Like I, anyway, we'll never, well, never know. We'll never I, know. I think they're no, running on yeah. fumes.
0: I think they were. I think on they fumes were too. The but yeah, I really I, do. I
1: don't, I don't disagree. But um,
0: yeah. And look, that's, very, that's the key very, for them. Just very
1: unusual. Pl- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Just quickly looking forward the next year. That's the big question for them: is how how far can they push Steph Curry and Draymond now? Um, given that they've they've got no clay, no KD for the entire season, that's going to be the big question for Steve Kerr, I think. Um, how much how much miles he's willing to put on on them in the regular season because he could end up with with no superstars. Um, you know, if Little if boy. much would if Steph goes there, so that that was the only other thought I had while watching that series, and it was just. When you're putting that much miles on guys over a five year stretch, now um, eventually you know something might might break, and that that's what happened with um, with Clay, and, and to a lesser extent with KD. I only say that because I think KD had the existing injury from the the calf injury a bit earlier. Um, so at the end of the day, though, well, so well, last last point, did you want to make on that, Daz?
1: Well, I can say it was a, it's that we could spend an entire pod we maybe this isn't the one but the the off season we're about to get into the off season rapidly but i kind of go right Draymond's in the last year of a contract and he's going to i mean he's going to he's going to want to get paid so uh, how does a guy play on the last year of a deal if he's not signed you know to an extent to what i do not expect are you still under contract next year for whatever some ridiculously 17 or 18 million or something um so th- th- we can't even contemplate what's going to happen to Golden State until we see how they handle. There's way too many. Could they bring KD back? Yes. Could they bring Clay back? Yes. Could they bring them both back? Yes. Could they both leave? Yes. I go, all all things are possible. It's like I cannot, the one thing I cannot believe is they would actually bring both back knowing they both wouldn't play. So would you actually pay $80 million, right, for guys not to play?
0: Well, they may the not right have a to choice. To have them
1: play with a when Draymond is an unrestricted free agent and Steph is 33 i go that's an 80 million dollar that's 80 million dollars for free for no production for the right to be you know to have a really really old team in you know 2021 20, as it were so that's the one scenario i can't actually believe they'd bring them both back that's the one I don't believe will happen. I don't think so, they will
0: by choice, but they may uh, bring Clay back and KD opts in and takes that decision out that's of That's possible.
1: That's possible Then that KD is almost certainly gone the year after, right? That's right. Rehab on Golden State's dime. But that talk about a... I just... Uh, we just have to acknowledge, right? Good on you. You've maybe talked about Toronto without foaming for as long as you have. But the point I made on, on Twitter... Um, when someone was asking, someone said, "You know, the national writers have been bending over backwards trying to go, don't take any credit away. A champion's a champion. It's it's real. It's you know we can't just talk about the injuries." But I go, a, a ring isn't a ring. It was in 1999. A ring, a ring in 1999 is a ring. But I go in in 2019, a ring isn't a ring because we have terabytes of data, terabytes of social media, terabytes of video coverage where the, the winners don't just get to write the history anymore, right? Because the story will always be what was almost a heroic comeback by Kevin Durant. Because that 10 minutes when he played or 12 minutes, was he like five for seven from the four, draining three-pointers, he's prancing around like Katie, kind of breathing fire like a dragon, like, here I come. Motherfuckers, here I come! Right, and you, you anyone, everyone's lying if they didn't believe that you felt that series changed dramatically when KD was back on the court. Then to have that rip from you like that, unbelievable. To be followed up the next day when Clay, next game when Clay Thompson's going nuclear, a la against OKC 2015, going nuclear, and then shredding his ACL. I mean, we thought the gold, the Gordon Hayward injury was gruesome that literally got trumped 5X based on the stakes, based on the timing, based on the circumstance. I go, I think we need to let the record show that we may never, ever experience injury tragedy in a finals or Super Bowl like we just witnessed. Like, that is so remarkable. Not just that one superstar gets hurt, but two superstars get hurt, and getting hurt under those conditions right at the peak of their powers is so so unlikely and unbelievable. That's where I go. The terabytes of data and the stories being written about this are going to be so vast. And I do feel a little bit bad for Toronto because if the Bucks won it, I'd feeling I'd be feeling the same way. Because here I am, having a, acknowledging the giant asterisk on my title because it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't. At the end of the day, it does not feel the same. And everyone's lying if they said it does feel the same. And will never ever the royal we the digital. The digital world, the internet, will never let the world forget uh, what happened, the stories about these tragic injuries in
0: oh, 1990. I, I disagree I, with that. I think for Toronto fans no. anyway, for the rest of us outside that Toronto fan bubble, we can say, when you're a Toronto fan, look, I was a Spurs fan in 99. I didn't give a rat's about the fact that it was a lockout season, everyone turned up out of shape, they only played 55 games. That was a title, and it's interesting you say 1999. That was the year, and and everyone was putting asterisks on it as a Spurs fan. I couldn't have cared less, but I understand outside the bubble, everyone was going. Well, that that title was really not that impressive, given the circumstances. So I take your point on the great on on the outside of that, but I think inside that Toronto bubble, they're just going to go. Look, I don't, I don't remember going State saying, "Oh, you need to give us an asterisk because because you know the first year we won the title." Uh, there was no Kevin Love and no Kyrie Irving who went down during the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. injuries happen. And I think this this whole thing really goes back to karma for the Zaza Pachulia play, Daz. <laughs> and you know how I feel about that. And and this was the other thing that annoyed me. Every, all, all these national media writers going, oh, what do you know, Kawhi Leonard's a really good player. We didn't realise that. Maybe the Spurs would have had a chance in 2007. Oh, uh, sorry, t- 2007. So... I'm taking a hypothetical title for the Spurs in 2017 because I think we would have not only won game one, I think we would have gone on and won that series. And I think Kawhi Leonard's uh, performance in these playoffs show that. So thanks for bringing that up, Daz, about the injuries. Because that's where I'll go back to. Look, this, this is Beautiful. the thing that did annoy me, though. And it would have really annoyed me from the Toronto uh, fan yeah. point of view. Was this whole view of... Toronto's about to wrap up the title... And all everyone wants to talk about is, oh, where's Kyrie Irving going next year? What's happening with the Anthony Davis trade? And so I, I, I thought we we're in a, this title or bust. If you're not first, you're last. Here we are in the middle of the NBA finals, and no one wants to talk about the basketball that's being played. Look, I'm a basketball fan. That's so I like to watch basketball. I'll still watch the games while they're being played, and I understand there's there's an interest in talking about who's going to play where next year. But this obsession with what's happening in the future and they're not even bothering what's happening in the present. It's it's really frustrating me and irritating me as a fan who just likes to watch the games and take content from the games. And I think what we've got is we've got the, the people that sort of write about basketball now. You've still got your old-fashioned guys that like to watch games and like to talk about the games. But then you've got all these numbers guys that like to sit there and honestly claim they enjoy watching James Harden. So I'm sorry if you enjoy watching James Harden play basketball. You don't like basketball. I don't know what sport you like or what you enjoy about it, but I cannot believe people honestly are going to sit there and say they like watching players like James Harden and Russell Westbrook play basketball because that's not basketball to me. And then I think you've got the Adrian Wojnowski's. I mean, have you ever heard Wojnowski ever once talk about what happens on the basketball court?
1: That's not his once. job. So he doesn't know. He has no fuck all. So, nothing. I think
0: yeah. what we've got, Daz, is I think we've got two-thirds, maybe more, of basketball writers and people who create content that we read and, and, and consume that aren't actually basketball fans. I
1: yeah. think
0: they like the numbers, and I think they like the drama. The scoops.
1: Yeah. yeah. They like scoops. They yeah. like
0: scoops. So, you've got the sort of hoops hype and hoops rumors guys like the Wojnarzis and Shams and people like that and I'm not knocking what they do they're telling them what they do but it's like that's I think there's a time and a place for that and this I'm sort of I guess pushing back on this 365 day a year cycle where we've just finished the NBA season the next day we get a blockbuster trade which we'll touch on briefly and then within a week you've got the draft so we're and then it's straight in the summer league so it's like yeah. you have no time yeah. to marinate on the title at all. Well,
1: free like, agents draft is going to be massive, and free agency massiver. Yeah, and then and we yeah. didn't even
0: talk about the Raps title for twenty four hours, and we're moving on to talk about next year. So so much for it's if you it's title or bust. It's like no one well, even I think, cares about I the title. I actually think the
1: Lakers. I and mean, we get the incompetent half-wits, Magic Johnson and Dell Demps out of the way. What I find hilarious is that basically get the exact same trade plus a couple of pick swaps done with Rob Polinka and and um, and Griffin. Uh, David Griffin, right? But I go, that's why I actually think they, I believe they would have strategically actually left that to the. If you hear, famously hear it happened, released on Saturday, right? Who releases on Saturday afternoon? They actually let the NBA Finals happen, knowing. That would have been way bigger than the NBA Finals. Is an announcement of Anthony... And I mean, how trade. is that
0: bigger than the NBA Finals? How is anything bigger than the NBA Finals? That's what we're look. Everyone's look, been playing for.
1: I, I get it, but I. But I'm a fan. I stopped because of my Bucks. I had such expectations. It's a uh, when your team is out of it, Daz. You, you either purists will love the X's and O's, but the vast, vast majority, even diehards like me, will still go. You know what? I don't have a horse in this race. Um, Do I really care who wins the title? Not really. It doesn't affect my team's history, or my team's future, I should say. And so I'm going to try and engage in the league in things that are more relevant to me or my teams that are more interesting. And and player movement and potential roster changes is just more interesting. It's more engaging then because we don't have a horse in the race. So it's not... I, I, I go, that's why I kinda go, this is just the this is the nature of the sport. It's a player driven, player empowerment. We can move where we want to move. Pre agency is a thing now. Obviously with Paul George and Kyrie and now Anthony Davis forcing their way out of you know, out of out of their um their teams. This is just how the league operates. And oh, it's
0: much more intrusive now. It's much more intrusive now. I mean, to sit there and be and having wall to wall coverage of free agency a week before the finals have even concluded. I've never seen it this bad before. And I think you've got a heap of people that just weren't... I mean, these are the national writers. These are people, they're paid to write and talk about basketball. We've got a NBA finals going on. Like, why are we spending all this time and all this energy talking about next season already, when this season isn't even over? Well, I guess that's my
1: that's what I'm positing to you, is that there are more readers interested in Anthony Davis than who wins Toronto Golden State. That's been what's happening for years, Daz, right? So I go, this isn't, this isn't news. I mean, we'd all written the last few seasons off as basically Golden State's title, right? So I kind of go, we've, the, the, the drama, the, of the emotion and expectation, the mystery of who's going to win the title has not been compelling. And it wasn't compelling this year for the opposite circumstances because all the best players got hurt. So it really wasn't dramatic or compelling about who's going to win. It had the sense that you admitted yourself a few minutes ago. There was at no point in the series did you actually think, you know, Toronto was threatened. So I kind of go, that's not that interesting. Plus, it's only two hours long. I can sit and analyze Kyrie and Anthony Davis until the cows come home. So it's just a consumption. Challenge that we have is just that's more consumable by more people than, you know, why wasn't you know why wasn't Serge Ibaka going over to double Draymond every time at the ball in the high post? Like no one cares. Well, I I
0: mean, I'm a basketball fan. You're weird, Dad. You're
1: the you're the you're the you're like (laughs) I'm the outlier. You're the proud proud minority. Yeah.
0: Can't we wait? Can't we? Can't we marinate on the fact that Toronto won the title? For a week, even three days, well, so before we start talking about the, this the, bullshit the free agency that is just, <laughs> it, just it, 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 it impacts everything now. Every, and now you got riders you know, saying, "Oh, Zion Williamson should just sit out for a year." And not so they want that drama to start, and that and that's going to happen soon. A team's going to pick Damn at the first morons. in the draft, and they're going to sit there and go. They're
1: going to do Peyton Manning. They're going to the do a Peyton Manning, right? Yeah. They're
0: going to do a, a John Elway. These and and this is the sort of mentality that creates it. This this constant drama and constant talking about stuff that's going to happen next year, rather than sort of living in the moment. So what's happening right now? Let's let's look at right the. The right now of you know what's happening in the finals. Look, that,
1: yeah, that's fair. Or even looking that's
0: back f- on a season that the teams had and go, okay, let's look at what the Bucks have done this year. And you know, to me, the Bucks, I don't, I wouldn't be throwing the the baby out with the bathwater and what they did. I, I'd be trying to bring it back. But everyone wants to straight away say, oh, this is what went wrong and this is what they need to do next year. And it's like, I think the Bucks could do exactly the same thing next year well, and, and win the title. Been-
1: so the w- the point we will agree on, right? Is you started with you know the writers don't watch the games. You're right, they don't, right? We I've been I've been and we've been you know complaining about this since the when you listen to bloody Reggie Miller call a Milwaukee Bucks game and just give actual factual um, misstatements about players or rotations or you know just just you name it, the TNT, uh, TNT guys are actually all right, but right, the, even Zach Lowe, no one has time to watch all the teams, oh, so do. they don't, they, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you and um, and Danny LaRue and Andrew Sharp, the three of you need to go and uh, just go yeah, live on <laughs> Consumption Island, but uh, but right, they don't watch the games, no one can, I don't, I don't either. Um, I watch as many as I can until I got a stupid job. But, um, yeah, what I, don't like, what I don't like is lazy writing. What I don't like is aggregation. What I don't like is conflation of issues like the process and results, which you got me fired up earlier tonight about. I like, go, I don't like the laziness of Zach Lowe going, sort of, quote, miraculously hoodwinked the Milwaukee Bucks to give Grievous Zach because there's no miraculous hoodwinking where the fuck does that lazy, dumb label framing, caption grabbing, clickbait crap come from? From Zach Lowe is writing crap, garbage, clickbait, falsity, revisionist bullshit. There was nothing of the sort. That was not what occurred. He's hyperbolically doing ESPN promotion work. It's so you promotion. Don't think, you don't
0: think the bucks were hoodwinked? You don't think the bucks were hoodwinked by the rescues. Trade
1: not at all. It was a fucking did Danny miraculously hoodwink what was his phrase? Daz, well, he didn't
0: phrase. say miraculously, he just said they somehow the they somehow hoodwinked the Milwaukee Bucks
1: somehow
0: into trading did, two draft picks for Grooves for one year of Grooves Vasquez.
1: Is Daryl Morey somehow hoodwinking Ernie Grunfeld? Is Danny somehow hoodwinking? Vlade Divas, I like, think the the framing of it posits it as some unmistical mysticism. It's not mysticism. That's revisionist and one-sided. The fact is, Jason Kidd was a power-hungry fuckface <laughs> who has a friend called Grievous Vasquez, and he fucking steamrolled John Hammond out of a job. By doing the exact opposite of what the owners promised, own the future, own the future, own the future, and he traded draft picks to get an old guy who couldn't do anything besides shoot. Then he got hurt. I go, it's not hoodwinking. Is it takes a fucking moron to be hoodwinked. So don't go running around taking a whole bunch of credit, right? From taking you know, candy from a baby.
0: Well, like they they, the tra- they did the trade. I mean, what no, what, what should they, he have said there? Because the context Toronto of the story is. It very
1: well. They draft very, very well. Well, that
0: was the right? crux of it, but they made a couple Absolutely of nice dra- trades. And Vasquez for, for two draft picks, one which was Ojan Anobi and the other which was Norm Powell, who you may remember hitting a couple of threes last time you seen him in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a pretty decent haul.
1: Is there a question in there? That's a comment.
0: I'll take that as a comment. Quit
1: poking <laughs> the bear. The point is national writer. We and I members.
0: take issue with Zach Lowe. Zach ESPN, Lowe does watch ESPN all the ESPN
1: is 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 promotion material. We've talked about Zach, where he probably needs a more independent platform. Where most of these guys are going to the athletic. Who knows if the same sort of um, you know revenue pressures are going to consume the athletic, and they're just going to become another group of sycophants who just write, you know, puff pieces about their teams. I don't know. Um, but I just, I, I'll be honest, I am just don't like the language. I go, all that's done is puff piece the champion. I go, that's why I go, I think that looked like something that was written by Bruce Arthur in Toronto. And I go, which is fine. That's a hometown newspaper. Puff it away. Tell your fans home. Of course, when our teams are champions, I want to consume. Every ounce of content, everything about how great we are. I I do that for Buck's victories. I re- read the stories from everything and listen to every post, and it's fun. It's such fun, but that's although, not ESPN's role. But hang on, okay. What what
0: article should he have written then? Because I know I'll give a bit of context too. Like his fam, his wife's family lives in Toronto, so he's he has a sort of. Dog in the fight, I think I think he has a soft spot for the Raptors and has for a number of years. You so think? maybe that's shown yeah. through in that story. Oh no, well, what? What, do you what, reckon what story should going? he write? So when he's writing a story about Toronto Raptors the champions, what story should he write? I feel like you think he should just write the story they just got lucky. And the Bucks got a few calls against them and it could have easily burned the Bucks. And this whole thing's well, just I a think, big crapshoot. And why is do it? we bother?
1: Daz, go back twenty minutes. Didn't you say there was no point in the series where you felt Golden State threatened them? You said that. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Yes. Th- th-
1: that's the story. That is the story. At no point did this historically amazing team have enough players to threaten this upstart team from the East. But e- then you're writing a story. The players. About,
0: but then you're writing a story about Golden State. I mean, his story is about. The Toronto Raptors won the title. This is how they got there, and yes, they had a bit of luck along the way. Yes, you know, bounces of the ball have to go. to To win a title, you need to make a lot of good it's decisions. Good... You need the draft. Well, you need Abs- to have some trades. Yes. You win. You need that. And that was the story. Yeah, you know, I took one snippet out of it because I was so having I'm, a show so at going, the bucks.
1: So that's good. I'm going editorial then. <laughs> then. I go. So then, fine. Write the story about story is how did they build their roster? Great, valid story. How did they win with X's and O's? How did they win with um, what we're going to all have to now um, flate ourselves and our neighbors around load, management, and rest? Like, this is now reality, because Kawhi played, what, 54 games and then unleashed Michael Jordan in the playoffs. (laughs) This is the narrative. He sat for 35 games and then became Jordan, so therefore it must be real. So I go, that... Examine that for us. Leave out the language. Where is your editor going? Whatever hoodwinking. That's just the language. It's a puff piece from ESPN. It's puff. Write the story about how they built the roster. Brilliant. Are they drafted well? Absolutely. Masai Ujiri deserves a fucking ocean of credit. The courage, I go, the interesting thing I want to see is could they have won this championship with Dwayne Casey? Someone tell me that. Someone examine Nick Nurse versus Dwayne Casey. That's the really the big change here, right? Kawhi Leonard with versus Tamar DeRozan, fucking duh. Like, that's the hoodwinking. Tell me the hoodwinking story about why fucking Pop didn't have more chutzpah and balls to fucking hold on to Kawhi and get a haul like New Orleans just got for fucking Anthony Davis. That's a fucking story. They hoodwinked the fucking San Antonio Spurs, <laughs> infinitely large than no. You're that's me, a right? nice try. That's,
0: to, that's a nice try. Look, well, you had a guy right? coming off a Powell, season-ending injury, a season-ending mm-hmm. injury. No one knew where he was going to play or not. Fake no one even knew if he would report. all knew it was
1: fake. We all knew he was. But no one even knew heard.
0: if he would report to play this year. No one knew what he was going to do. But
1: he didn't play. 50 we didn't some play for,
0: for the Spurs, and no one knew. We were openly. Uh, wondering if he'd turn up and play for Toronto. So it was a so massive was a, risk. So that's so why his trade, value then. was lower. So, of course, it's a good trade. But you don't know. The reason his value was so low is, one, you don't have um, Toronto aren't stu- as stupid as LA are to sit there and say, here's three draft picks and <laughs> you know our, our whole core of our team for AD, number one. And number two, there's a massive injury risk associated with the guy. And and this is already a guy we know. Even that his best might play you 65 games in the regular season, and can he reach that level again in the playoffs? And he's probably only a one-year rental. So, you know, there was a there was a lot of things that drove the value down that trade. Um, but certainly you'd be stupid to say San Antonio won the trade. Toronto won the trade, but I don't I don't think that's a story. And there's a reason why no one's riding it because I think it's. I'm
1: just. Yeah, that's so revisionist go, history. The story, how they built the roster, good story, right? So I go just leave the language out. Just well, leave, I think that's
0: his writing style. Leave the though.
1: local. I yeah, think if I he's
0: not going to put that sort of colourful language, and it's colourful language, if he's not going to put that in, then it's a bit of a more of a plain that's a joy, bit boring boring yeah, right. story. I think they're a little bit touchy because of the Bucks. I'm as totally
1: touchy. I think there's a the, little bit of but leftover but salt
0: there from the the Eastern Conference uh, Finals.
1: Look, my anger is it's all directed at the, you know the, the morons who ran ran the franchise back then. But I go, but it's it's the same conversation about um, winners writing the history and what is the story? What's the story, Daz, of the 2019 finals? And I go. I'm sorry. Well, it's a larger story
0: than that. It's not just just, the the finals that you're talking about. This this has been a building thing for Toronto, where they continually hit their ceiling with DeRozan and and Larry and Dwayne Casey, and they had to make a change. And they they swung for the fences and they ended up hitting a home run. And that's why you always want to be one of the contenders, because you never know if if the, the presumptive champions like Golden State, how many times have we said it, it's probably going to take two injuries for Golden State to fall over. Well, guess what? They got the two injuries, they fell over, and Toronto were the last team standing. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's why you want to be one of the top four teams in the league, to give yourself a, a chance at it. So I think that's that, to me, is the story. There's an overarching... And, and I guess, you so- know, where they came from... Um, you know, yeah. when they first got Kyle Lowry to sort of win where they ended up as NBA champions. And, and, of course, you need some luck along the way, and they got that, but they also made a hell of a lot of good moves, um, uh, including the Vasquez trade. Yeah, which, um, I, I, go,
1: I, I, I get the bits where right Kyrie and Love were hurt. Uh, Chris Paul's famous hamstring last year. Um, Kawhi yeah. being
0: undercut oh, cool. by Zaza.
1: Kawhi, Zaza, Derek Rose in in round one this hap this this absolutely is a thing. Right? It's professional sports at the highest level, and guys going crazy fast, crazy hard. So that that's that's a thing. So I'm not lamenting or crying or anything. I'm just going that is such a significant story because it didn't happen to to Sean Livingston and Jordan Bell. It happened to two of the 15 best players in the league in back-to-back games. That is by far, I'm sorry, that is gigantic story. Imagine Jordan and Pippen blowing two ACLs in back-to-back games. Imagine Duncan and Tim you know, blowing, right, dislocating their knees. And it, it's just so historically unprecedented. Superstars in the finals going out with significant
0: It's a big story. That's that's the Golden State side of the story, I think, more so the Toronto side of the story. It's
1: not. You admitted yourself at no point in the series did you think that Toronto was threatened. That's my point. But Toronto, who There's, cares? No... I mean, Toronto
0: won. They're not, they're, it's, not, it's not up but to... But how interesting when you're looking you said it you like Toronto's to the games view, at no
1: point thought they would lose. Like, then you've well, argued against yourself. So, no, no,
0: because the big story is this is why you've got to build a team that's a contender. And these people out yeah, there oh, saying, yeah, if you're you, not first, no, you you're last. You have me if you that. come yeah, second, yeah. you've got to blow it up. And all this bullshit that they go on So with. this is where I... No, Be one no, of the top teams. And then if you get the luck, you can win the title. And that was the crux... To me, that was the crux of that story, and that's the crux of the Toronto story. You know, keep making moves. Give yourself yeah. a chance. Don't be one of these people that go. If you're not first, you're last. Like people talking about Houston blowing it up. Why the fuck would Houston want to blow it up now? Go and stay down. Because Chris um, Paul
1: sucks. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs>
0: but they.
1: No, no, don't, like, don't, don't, don't. I thought you were going to go where you had me. Was that's the Portland Trailblazers' meant win 52 games every single year and see what happens. Exactly. That's why I go, that's what I like and have to tip my hat and I go, if I was the Milwaukee, this is the Milwaukee Bucks of the 1980s, they had a chance for about seven years in a row to beat the bloody Sixers or six in the Celtics in the finals and they just couldn't do it. But man, they were there every single year and if Bird had tweaked an ankle or um, whatever, if it had a home, whatever, they were there. So I go, mm. that's the Portland Trail Boys argument. As a fan, I go that I will respect, that I will purchase merchandise for, that I will log on and consume content, that I will consume, I will engage, and you have me. Even if we don't win championships, I know it's a one in thirty proposition at best, right? So I get, I get that. So I'm 100% with you in that argument. Give, just give us a shot. Yeah. So I, I'm not taking any credit away from Misaiujiri in roster building. I'm not. I'm just saying. You'll never convince me that the headline of 2019's NBA Finals was Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. I'm sorry, a dynastic, no, I don't, I don't disagree. It's dynastic. With that. Right? What I'm saying it's like is, Jordan and Pippen got hurt. Yeah, but if we you're writing a
0: story from it. Toronto's point of view, who gives a shit about the fact that that? Okay, that's I a bit know. of luck that fell. I know, I, I I know, I know. You know, so I get it. But that's, you also—that's where you, I come at it from.
1: I guess I go. Maybe it's a segue to the last part, which is I go. You totally can understand why those of us who are not from Toronto will go, the storylines around KD, what it meant, and what it means for free agency, what's going to happen to the team, and then Clay, who's a free agent, and then the all-off season, and Anthony Davis, these are, they're, they're more compelling than a team who, quote, right, as to your own words, never felt threatened in the finals these are more compelling yeah but I think com- it's
0: even beyond the finals this is this is overarching all the time and, and and I just my point is I think we've got people writing about basketball giving us basketball content that are not basketball fans that don't really have an interest in what happens on the court and are more yeah. interested in either reading stats or yeah. looking at the dramas that are off the court and I think it's become all intrusive and as soon as the team's out, it's like, I'm, then we're going to go into the background. Now you have
1: me, yeah. And I think my bugbear is the when I literally unsubscribed from everything they had to offer was when I discovered it was this has been going back a, a year or two, which is there was, you know, one of the NBA podcasts on Winger they were talking about, I forget which one it was. You know how they, the NBA podcast shows like five days a yeah, week, but yeah. it's like different hosts? Yep. And they were talking about, um, what house like uh, Luke Walton was building, and what club that Kyle Kuzma went to. This is what they were talking about. Yeah, this is Bill Simmons' Godfather Podfather, <laughs> right? His business had a dedicated they had a brand strategy team and income dedicated to what clubs the players went to in Los Angeles. That is how devolved and how debased and how dumb that a, this can't be small, right? Well, them, a lot of I trust basketball that Bill Simmons people, has done
0: his research, yep. Well, quote-unquote basketball people are from a pop culture background, and I'm a, as in the majority of writing they've done has been in pop culture, and now all of a sudden they're talking about basketball, you know, which... Yeah to some yeah. extent makes sense because the way they're talking about it is it's from the drama point of view and it's from the off-court stuff. It's not necessarily from the on-court. And I suppose, look, I'm just burned up, uh, get-off-my-lawn argument in a sense, isn't it? Because it's like if you don't like that sort of stuff, don't consume it. I just feel like it's 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 encroaching more and more on your ability to appreciate the games because there's all this sort of noise all the time that, people that's, say, that's
1: exactly what I'm saying. That's it. That's it. And I said, then when you have legitimate news, like a KD injury, like a Clay injury, like a KD clay injury happening in back-to-back games, like an Anthony Davis, I go, that's real news that affects a lot of teams, right, and a lot of fan bases. And I go, that's the stuff where I go, that needs to get oxygen. So I'm, I'm never going to apologize for being more interested in and in consuming more content about Anthony Davis the trade what it means how it compares to what Brooklyn did you know with the Celtics you know a few years ago the complacence between the, the Nets and the Lakers if it doesn't go well like that is I'm sorry it's far more interesting to me than how Toronto beat Golden State it's just not there's no mystery no drama well, that's fair. Golden State got hurt they got that's hurt fair. and so I'm sorry like I I, I shrugged my shoulder I'm sorry Toronto. If Katie was in, played the whole series and played it and you won, we would be talking about you 24 seven. We would we go, Oh my God, they'd risen from the ashes. and didn't see it coming. They looked dead in game three against Milwaukee. They were, they should have lost a feeling. Oh my God, meteoric historic rise. It's like, eh, they didn't get injured. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm sorry that, that I, they're going to celebrate and they should celebrate and get, Drunk on Labatt's beer, go for your life. But the, you know, the, 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 there's bigger, there's bigger, bigger plays here. So, anyway, well, um, let's go. The final yeah, thing for tonight,
0: Daz. Let's quickly go. Quick take on the AD trade. What was your first thoughts, and and, and where do you sort of see it going from here? I guess. Well,
1: you you heard my first thought, which is just get the morons out of the room. Room in Magic Johnson and Dell Dems and let's do business. I mean, the right? Lakers
0: overpaid, thought. though, don't you? I mean, I feel like the Lakers are overpaid simply because they're not bidding against anyone. Who else was bidding for, for AD? What, what well, do...
1: that's, a, look, that's a good question. And who else was bidding for Grievous Vasquez? <laughs> you know?
0: Well, they, hood, were they hoodwinked. Moved. Are you, are you <laughs> suggesting the Lakers have been hoodwinked?
1: Well, we're going to have to wait to see the results because the results <laughs> will tell us that the process was good. Therefore, every decision-making doesn't matter until you see the results. Which is just mindfuck <laughs> falsity, but anyway, I'm so Daryl Morey in this regard. You uh, don't even want to go there. Um, first reactions was that is get the idiots out of the room and Magic and let's let's make a deal. Secondly, going. Wow, I think I the remember, idiots
0: were still in the room. They were the idiots were all on the, the Lakers side of things though this time.
1: Well, this is the un- unpredictable. <laughs> the Lakers got even more desperate after firing Lake uh, after Magic quit. That's what we learned here. We also learned that the um, that Rich Paul and Clutch Sports have unfucking believable power. That's really remarkable, Daz. I kind of go you. You have to, in a way, this is getting. If we juxtapose with the NFL all the time and have right between Roger Goodell, the Jerry Joneses, the Robert Crafts, which is the master servant, billionaire white man makes African American black man. You do what I do. Labor negotiations all slanted towards NFL owners um, encephalopathy CTE brain injuries pensions for players it's all about money and the white men in the NFL winning right and the the national and Colin Kaepernick non and on on that is a sport as master servant white billionaire dominates African- American player we have the opposite in the NBA does and I kind of go I love that I can't help but love that the talent Um, has taken more control of the league and so i i it's i really which is you know i sound very marxist in this way which is i go the fact that lebron james has gotten his agency this much clout this much power this much influence to literally now they're the ones manipulating the billionaire franchise owners of genie bus and um um what's their names the the New Orleans Saints owners who own the Pelicans, right?
0: Yeah. Um than that, beyond. Yeah,
1: Loomis, Loomis' Loomis family. And I go, it's, uh, it's hard for me not as a, a labor economist and a someone who says the efficacy and equality quality of, of sport and, find, and, and power finding those who can yield it. It's hard for me not to respect what LeBron and Clutch have done. I hate. At the same time, cognitive dissonance, both things are true. I hate how Anthony Davis handled it with his team last year. We, you and I went on record very much in the same camp. I hate what this does to the fan bases um, for last season for the New Orleans Pelicans. Today is a new day, right? The, the, the game of zones, draft gods uh, smiled on the Pels to get Zion, and um, they got themselves a haul. They've got themselves a chance, right, to um, in, endure a once-in-a-lifetime talent like Anthony Davis. They've gotten themselves hope. So if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans owner's front office and uh, coaching staff fan base, I'm going, you know what, I'm with the with the masses here. I don't even need to see who they're drafting with number four, if they're going to trade Lonzo Ball or not. This team has a lot of assets, and they got Zion and Drew Holiday, and a bunch of young guys, and perhaps Lonzo Ball and Ingram and number four, and and, 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 I they go, that's going to be interesting. Like, I'm going to tune in. That's going to be my Atlanta Hawks. Forget the Hawks and the Kings, right, from last year. Like, I'm going to watch the Pels. So they're interesting. They've got hope. they got a future. And there's assets. As for the Lakers, well, they're not the Knicks. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the Knicks have picks, but no ownership and no leadership and no stars, right? The Lakers have no picks and no future and no hope other than the next, well, maybe the next, two, the next years? two
0: seasons, I think the maybe? next two years, yeah.
1: yeah. so I go, this is desperation of all desperation. This is Prokhorov 2.0, um, is if the Lakers well, don't win a title in the next two years while LeBron's on contract... I don't see it happening in year three of LeBron's contract. I go, could you see this as, again, process versus result? If they don't win a title, they have gutted their their draft assets, down, literally up to 24-25. I go, I don't see how this is a well. Well, how success. is
0: this a basketball upgrade in terms of situation for Anthony Davis? I mean, I'd love to know what what, what is so appealing about the Lakers situation for him, given, looking forward. I mean, yeah. What what sort of a supporting cast is he gonna be playing with in three and four years time when he you know, he's he's obviously just about to enter his prime now, but he's still gonna be in, in, in very much in his prime at that point. What's that team what's his team gonna look like at that stage? So well, I and- think
1: what what you'll see is more Wagner will be coming into his own as the <laughs> the new Carl Anthony Towns. Right? And and uh, wasn't it Damien Ingram, a thirty seven year old sharpshooter, will be you know, the reprising Kyle Korver role, like uh, they literally have five players on their contract. They have ten open roster slots, Daz, and only about um, Anthony Davis, who will not give up his trade kicker.
0: That's the only thing I'll keep reading.
1: Hi, what, Davis is going like, to give up his. Forward. Let me see. Would I like five million dollars for free or zero? Which would I like? Five million dollars or zero? Which um, one shall I choose, you know?
0: Well, as I they said, honestly, though, what, I think Bill Simmons said this. Like, what a terrible look that would be for Clutch as well if they, if he just waived it. It's like, yeah, we're going to force you to go to wherever LeBron is, then you're going to give away $4 million. <laughs> yeah, 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 so no. that's true.
1: Yeah, that's not happening. Not, not, that's exactly not happening. That's exactly selling point for, for future clients. Hey, if you get traded, you know, we might give away your money. So, so they might um, have, I
0: think, twenty-seven million in in room plus the MLB. So, um,
1: what do I think? They're not the Knicks. What do I think? LeBron and Clutch have enormous power. Um, what do I think that Genie Buss and Kurt Rambis and whoever's running that franchise are the most, maybe the most extreme version of desperate? I think Prokhorov was just this, you know, exuberant, over-exuberant. You know, Russian billionaire trying to prove himself. And he well, just, he said he, he just was made all the in. wrong. He wanted you know, to he win just a He made title. the wrong big That's right. He made the wrong big bet, you know? Well, I he, think Prokhorov
0: didn't have the patience. I think he knew very well, I'm not going to want to be around Trill trying to do this in five years. So well, he that's thought, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. at the time, no one really can that trade as much as they did years later. Um, you know, and I think he just swung for the fences yeah. and, you know, he, he missed. He, he hit a pop-up. Whereas yeah. uh, the Lakers is three first round picks, all unprotected, and uh, and a pick swap in
1: 2023. It's days. 21,
0: 20, yeah, it's 21. 21 one day, 20, so it's reverse protection. So if yeah. it falls out of one day that's unprotected in 2022, 2023 yeah. is a pick swap. 24, they get the choice. If they don't want to take the 24 pick, they take the 25 pick.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's it is, I know it's, crazy.
0: It's all on it everything. Six just,
1: years. Six years they'll have control of their draft basically. Yeah. Yep.
0: So it's yep. it's quite stunning. I mean you know, to think that this is this is not a team that's built to go the next six years. This is a team that's built to go the next two. Uh, That's right, and then yep. we'll sort of see what happens from there. So That's it's right. it's going to be fascinating. So I think this is going to be a bit of an albatross this trade hanging around their neck. Um, but if they win a title Look, in the next two years, it's going to be worth, it, I guess.
1: I go. They think going to happen. They go. I think you're going to see Anthony Davis in a similar situation that he was in in, in um, New Orleans, and in two years, you know, LeBron's 37 and probably gone, so maybe back in Cleveland again, just playing out the string. <laughs> And okay. Who knows, right? Jordan played for the fucking Wizards for crying out loud. Well, right? I think
0: he'll play until so. his son gets drafted, and then I think he'll just go wherever his son's drafted. There's my prediction.
1: Yeah, maybe that's right. That's right. So I go, I go. What the Lakers got is a twenty-six-year-old Davis in his prime, and they'll, they'll they'll re-sign him. That's that's a certainty here, and so they'll have him for you know for the next. But
0: we've already well, seen six. that's probably not good enough.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. If it's going to be New Orleans. New Orleans well, two, 2. 2. 0, exactly. with no draft picks,
0: yeah.
1: with no traffic, and paying him 40 forty, forty to forty five million dollars a year. They're only going to have seventy million dollars in cap room to fill out, you know, fourteen roster spots because he's going to earn forty forty five million. Yeah. So and and there's no you know obviously he's not signing with bird rights. He's going to take up a gigantic amount of their their cap space. Well,
0: and no way to improve by the draft either.
1: And no way to improve by the draft. So they'll be improving by what? Undrafted players, trades, and buyouts, which I go, great, who's going to join a, a middling team like that? So, mm-hmm. Now, the, the interesting question for me is, the, is this one, which is what do you think they should do with their, let's say 25, let's call it 25, 28 million. Should they try to get a a Kemba or Chris Middleton or a D'Angelo Russell a bit on a slight discount? Like a four-year, be going for. Deal? I'd
0: be going for more than middling guys. I'd be just trying to do a little bit of what Toronto did and just say, let's see if we can build a roster of six to seven guys who are competent and who we can... Yeah. and I mean, they've got Kuzma there, who, you know, his defensive limitations, I think he's a guy that... He's a good shooter. Could, ...could come out in the playoff game and go seven for ten from three, and you go, wow, that that was the Kuzma game sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I would be looking at, the, you know, maybe Bogdanovich uh, from Indiana. I'm not sure what sort of offers he's going in the beginning, but maybe that sort of he'd level... Yeah, you know, maybe that sort of level of player. Danny Green would be a nice fit there. Um, again, depending on what sort of offers they'd have to make um, with some of these guys. So I wouldn't be necessarily looking at the Kemba because I think once you sign Kemba then you're down to MLE and then veteran minimums, you know, across the roster. And I think this is already a roster. Like, LeBron's now missed some time last year. Uh AD's not been the most durable guy over the years. Uh Kemba's missed time here and there at Charlotte if you, if that is the guy you bring in. Kyrie Irving's already had knee problems in his career. I wouldn't be going for one of the top guys. I'd be just looking to get some nice solid guys to fill around these but other two guys. Is that how
1: LeBron thinks? Like does he want you know, does he want Bogdanovich and Seth Curry or does he want Jimmy Butler? I guess. Well, it's... I
0: think LeBron. What we've seen from history is he wants an he'll want another star, and he'll just want to then pad the roster with you know Derek Rose's of the world, um, which really yeah. hasn't hasn't really worked when you look back on the history of it. I mean, he won one title, lose, he he, and he was very fortunate, I would argue, to win the other two titles that he's won. So I think the the way he's gone about his sort of team building and, and, and how much he's had over the lot of it, I guess, is open for conjecture. Particularly when he was in Miami, I wouldn't have thought he had a hell of a lot to do with the rounding out of that roster. But more so from the Cleveland side of things, when he went there and obviously got the three stars and then built around that. Um, they did win the one title and, and maybe if, you know, they don't get hurt in 2015, it's a different story. But I, I just feel like... I'd rather... Yeah. Give me competent guys. Give me a competent seven-man rotation. You've got your two superstars. There's no other team out there with three superstars anyway. So it's not like you're going up against another juggernaut from somewhere else. And then you sort of think, okay, now let's just get seven guys we can go to the war with. So I think that that's what I'd be looking
1: at. You, don't you think, though, I, go, I just from a pure basketball building is like, you know, I think the Kyrie and Kemba Walker are similar player, right, which is the playmaker, shoot-off-the-bounce, floor-stretcher, guys who can score 30 points and let Braun, you know, coast. I go, that for me is like the perfect kind of missing player. It doesn't mean they're going to play any defense. But I go, that for me is, you know, I'd rather, you know, than surround the team with freaking James Posey's and Jay Meneses and PJ Tucker's and well I bring in Let's say
0: you bring in Kemba and Danny Green, got Kuzma. I guess that gives you Kemba, Danny Green... LeBron Kuzma and, and yep. AD that's your starting five would
1: JJ Redick play for a small deal that's the other thing is mm, can no, you find the, now he probably can get more money again can't he yeah so people tend to like money um, but
0: <laughs> that yeah, yeah, I, guess I'm, for the
1: yeah the, I think you know AD would prefer four million dollars over zero <laughs> <laughs> and players like money
0: people <laughs> like money
1: <laughs> they, they do it's much more fun to have more money than I've never noticed not that before yeah, to, yeah yeah I have
0: you to you take
1: have, you gotta you gotta take notice here
0: yeah oh uh, we learn something new got, every
1: contracts now. are important here man it, we, wake, wake up man <laughs> <laughs> Omar Ashley is the happiest man <laughs> in the world <laughs> Him no, and Yom, I think the mean, difference they, I think Andrew Wiggins play. has got them both Pete. yeah that's true huh what <laughs> Andrew you just won the lottery Okay. <laughs> oh, game uh, owns it, man.
0: Last question we've had. I, nice. I, I for,
1: from a, finish it off. I, I, as a basketball fan, we were, right, we were, and we were excited, excited, intrigued by LeBron going to LA, and they were fun. They were fun until December, right? It was fun. Mm. it was it genuinely was fun that everyone got hurt and everyone fucked off and lebron stopped trying and but i go you know what lebron plus ad plus kemba that's fucking interesting it's fun and the west is suddenly wide open with the injuries in golden state and houston who knows if they're going to blow it up or not blow it up or get rid of Chris paul i, I don't know So i go man if i'm thinking of, if i'm la why not i could definitely talk myself into being as good as the Toronto Raptors talk themselves into being after they won the title, I could
0: Well, easily. the NBA is going to yeah. be wide open next year. I mean, oh, for sure. Final question about now: Is Quiet yeah. back in Toronto next year? What's your, what's your gut feel? Yes, I think he will. I, I think, think no. S- I think no. You
1: think no? Well, this is why he's I think this no. Quiet assassin. Okay. Well, I what happened?
0: He's not going to sign a long-term deal wherever he goes. Sorry, he will sign a long-term deal wherever he goes. I don't think he's going to sign... Well, he's not going to sign a one-year deal because of the injury history. So I think he's going to... Wherever he signs, it's going to be a four-year deal. right. Therefore, what else has he got to prove in Toronto? What's he going to do as as another act in Toronto? Go and win another title? Like, if, if he doesn't win the title again next year and they fall short, everyone will say... And really, roughly, so oh, you got lucky, and you know, uh, go on State they had the injuries and blah blah blah. Like no. he's got, there's, there's, where's yeah. the upside in going back to Toronto? He can, he I can guess, get, so maybe he'll have his jersey retired there already, and he'll be a hero every time the, he goes back.
1: Maybe I have the the Paul George vibe about him, which is the, you know, maybe it's a bit of an underdog sort of city and an underdog sort of understated kind of guy. So maybe that's the vibe I get here, which is the. Is the you know we're underappreciating maybe a guy who just wants some stability, but I don't know the uncle Uncle Barney. What's his uncle name? Dennis. Uncle Dennis. Uncle Dennis. Uncle Barney. Uncle Dennis. I got maybe we're still you know missing the you know the Los Angeles impact here. But I think
0: um, you will go to the Clippers. I and don't sleep on the Nets as a as a, as a smoky um, tip for him. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it'll be the Clippers. I think it'll be the Clippers. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I, 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 Toronto wouldn't shock me if he went back, but I, my gut feel is I think he'll go to the Clippers. But he's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Look, All right, all guys. Right. We'll leave it there, mate. It was good to talk to you again. We'll try and touch base after the draft. I'm not really following the draft all that closely, to be honest. Um, I sort of know a few of the tip players I've been looking for. There's, there was a player that... Um, Rui Hishimura from Japan um, that I wanted for the Spurs, but he's rising up draft boards too much. I think the Spurs are going to have no hope of getting him, unfortunately. So um, that won't happen. Yeah. But the Spurs do have two picks, So And we picked just before the Bucks this year. I know, 29. perfect. <laughs> so, we can- so we've
1: still got Lonnie Walker versus...
0: Versus Dante, and this Dante, year it's going to be ha- we're gonna no doubt some superstars at twenty nine and thirty. No doubt, You're that gonna we to argue some over e-
1: exotic Slovenian, <laughs> you know, um, Cirque du Soleil star who can also play basketball, and the Bucks take some twenty six year old from, from, you know, from Virginia. <laughs> you watch; they're going to take Malcolm Brogdon's uncle. <laughs> it's going to happen. Ready to play, man you can pass
0: Uh, All right, buddy alright mate look forward to it so we'll talk again Uh, we'll talk again soon then obviously we'll touch base before for our agency and sort of uh, see where we need to go from there as well
1: good stuff go Rams bye -bye. bye